This is Cult Scene's K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight, Joe Palmer, and Tamar Herman. And on this episode, we're discussing releases from July 2017. Well, guys, July is often a big month in K-Pop. A lot of the big agencies release their summer tunes that they expect to be hits. Did this month live up to those expectations? Kind of moved it to August. Yeah? There's a lot coming out in August. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm a late addition to this particular episode. And as soon as I knew I was doing it, I was like, I'm going to do CLC and I'm going to do Nine Muses. But both of them are in August already. And I already prefer <laughs> August to July because those two are, I think that those two are just so great that I wish I could talk about them. So Joe will be on the we'll, August. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they're so good. And the ones from July are... Not terrible, but it was. I think it was a quiet month for me, anyway. Like some kind of smaller, really interesting stuff, but the big guns didn't really come out. Yeah, I think there was music that I enjoyed, and I definitely. I'm like a low key EXO fan. Like I have all their albums in my iTunes, but I wouldn't say I'm a fan. But I know all their discography, so I was looking forward to hear a new album from them. And Red Velvet didn't really disappoint at all, but. They like seemed not to be as big of a deal as they have been in years past. Just just July in general, not a specific group. Just comebacks in July and debuts in July. Like it was a very chill summer month. You know, there's two EXOs that I really love. I love their dance music and I love their epic songs. And you know what they come out with this month doesn't really fit into either one of those categories. It was an an interesting song, but that's a good call. Yeah, you think? Mm-hmm. The epic stuff, definitely for me. But speaking of epic songs. Nice. Right? <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow, I think you're going to start us out on a high note with a song that came out early this month. Is that right? Yeah. I want to talk about a song that uh, is a little bit of a throwback, but very modernized take on a throwback. A boy band of the moment, BTS, covered Sotiji and Boys' mega hit from the 90s, Come Back Home, and it seems kind of fitting that... They were the ones who were asked to do it because they are very similar. Like they have rap in their K-pop and Soteji and Boys were like the first ones to really bring rap into the pop mix and rock into the pop mix and everything. I think for anyone who doesn't know either song, this is a weird blurb to listen to, but uh, you can go read my article on the song. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So pretty much BTS cover Come Back Home, which is a major, major hit in Korea. If you ask people walking on the street, name one Soteji song, this will probably be one of the top two that people say along with I Know Nanareo. It's a song that's like about moving forward in your youth when you're like discouraged and stuff. So it it's very powerful. And I honestly, I was a little bit concerned when I heard that BTS was going to do it because, you know, BTS is really good at what they do, but Come Back Home has such a different sound, and I personally was really impressed. I found BTS's Come Back Home much easier to listen to personally than Soteji's version, primarily because So's voice isn't something that I always enjoy the way he performs. He has a very, you know, like a kind of mosquito-y tone in Come Back Home, and it just kind of grates on me. And even though BTS... They paid homage to that, especially with J-Hope's raps. BTS pulled in some trap elements, and there was a lot more synths, because that's what is popular nowadays. And they did a really good job making it their own. Yeah, 
음. Angry, hungry, yes I'm hangry. 매일 잡리, 미래 캐브라. 나는 없었어. 그리고 또 내게 조차 없었어. I don't think there's anything wrong with the original track, but if I have both of these as an option, I will definitely pick the BTS version. Yeah, I think Come Back Home is a great song, but So Teji is not, in my opinion, like a great rapper, or I don't know if there's even any singing. There's kind of sing rapping in it, but BTS brings some really good singing and rapping to it, modern production, and th- I think takes a great song and improves on it. For me, I had similar doubts about BTS doing this as Tamar, because So Teji is such a particular artist, and like his songs have become so important. And my first listen, I still felt like that. I felt like BTS's version was too clean, a bit too nice. Too neat. Yeah, yeah exactly. But then I, I listened again today, and it, it actually wasn't as clean as I had first thought. You know, they kept the opening uh, guitar lick at the start is so good. And like J-Hope's rap, as you said, but also Rap Monster. Yeah. He is like, his voice is distinct as well. And it, it kind of fits into that general tone. And they, they didn't add any like, particular big vocal parts where like even though they have great vocalists like Jimin and Jungkook so yeah I was impressed again and it is it's, it's a good kind of connection as well they make obviously for Soteji's anniversary and you know BTS being the the new current socially conscious k-pop group it was an interesting connection but for me Soteji's version is still superior because it has that edge you listen to Soteji and it stops your mind in its tracks and you start to take note of the song and where it's going because it is so odd and his voice is so kind of abrasive. I definitely agree that Come Back Home, the original version, is superior. And not just because it's the original version, like there are covers or remakes of songs that are better. So I just want to put that out there that I don't think Come Back Home by BTS is anything but a really, really good homage. (laughs) But it's not a fair contest because BTS couldn't use all those samples. Uh, yeah. Right. So Teji wasn't too worried about the copyright rights. Of, uh... Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and they are working in, in a much more streamlined industry and context, whereas So Teji, like you said, he was kind of doing what he wanted because there weren't any rules because he was breaking them and making the new ones. So it, it, it's hard for BTS to really live up to that. And I will say I was impressed in that I don't think any other group could have, have done it as well as they did. I was trying to think if there's any other group that like. If it had been Soteji's 20th anniversary, like, who would they have picked for that if they had decided to do this project then? Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure it out, and the obvious choice is, like, Big Bang, because that's who was the biggest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can rap and sing and be angsty. and. Yeah, but I think it's different. I think... Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of worked with BTS. I'm excited to see what other remakes come out of it and see if everyone is as skillful as this is. Well, Joe, what song stood out to you from July? So when I get invited on this podcast, there's one thing that you can be sure of is that we're going to talk about Luna. And <laughs> There's one every month, and we have a I mean, wrap-up show every month. So it... I mean, they haven't disappointed me yet, so I have to keep doing it. This month, it was the purple girl, Choeri, with an amazing name. The last three girls have had great names, whereas the first five are kind of okay. But yeah, Choeri, Kim Lip, and Jin Sol are really good names and these last three girls have been a great progression for what Nina have been doing. Choeri kind of for me represents the bridge between the gap of the new sort of more electronic digital sounds and the original five who were a lot more physical and acoustic. Her song Love Cherry Motion is also 
along with Singing in the Rain, they're just sort of trying to change up their structures and go a bit more complex, where usually they were like safe but really good pop songs. Now they're going into the more Sotagey style, I guess, of K-pop, where we're mixing genres and going in places that you don't quite expect. And her song, Love Train Emotion, does exactly that, where it opens and it's basically party by Girls' Generation, like down to the slap bass yeah. and the, the little ah. But then, as soon as the first chorus finishes, it goes into this dance break of like these deep, dark electro bass. And at first, I don't think I was into it too much. And I still think it's not one of the better Luna songs, but it's very much a, an important kind of step that they're taking. And even though like the whole changing to a new genre is sort of becoming old for me, it was like the main thing I liked about K-pop now, but it has to do a bit more. And they did in fairness have a bit more, whereas the first post-chorus break, even though it was like loud and in your face, it was still sort of simple with only a few sounds. Then the second one, they bring in these like Middle Eastern synths, which are just like so out there and fun. that they were kind of slowly bringing out which I think really invigorates the song from being just like a bit of party and a bit of something a lot more dark and that is what I think makes me excited for Luna's future still. They're willing to try things for sure. Yeah exactly and that was my only concern with the first few girls like even though there was lots of interesting musical things you know like songs that are like purely orchestral now they're changing up their structure in a more classical k-pop way also doing it in ways that don't get tired, I think is, uh, is great. You know, I took your advice and I read the music video <laughs> drop-down part, and I have to say I was a little bit disappointed. There wasn't any kind of interesting, bizarre story. One bad thing is I was getting sort of inconsistent in that sense. But they're doing great stuff on Instagram. They had like a meme contest for people to make memes. It's weird that their marketing is sort of all over the place. Personally, because I'm not necessarily the biggest girl group fan in the world. I like some, but I kind of need them to grow on me. And Luna is so fast paced that I am a little bit overwhelmed. So when Joe mentioned that he was going to be doing this song today and he kept typing Choeri, I was just like, oh, like Cherry Bomb, that wasn't this month. <laughs> and and just I do enjoy all the songs. I think that the last three, like Joe mentioned, were a little bit more my style. And this one isn't my favorite of the three, but I think it was a nice follow-up to the other two. But what about you, Stephen? What was one of your favorite songs of the month? Well, this is sort of equally predictable to Joe's pick. You know, if Dreamcatcher has a song out, which they often do, this is their third single, I think, this year. And it's actually a mini album. It's called Fly High. And Dreamcatcher, of course, for those who aren't keeping up, which you should be ashamed of yourself, <laughs> they do what they're calling youth metal, which is sort of pop vocals with heavy metal, was how the first two singles especially were. And in the first two music videos, you know, they're telling this story. So in the first two music videos, they are these sort of witches, spirits, they call themselves nightmares, and there's a ghost hunter who's chasing them, and they're tormenting him, and, you know, they keep turning the tables on each other. 
But this latest release is called Prelude. The album is called Prelude. And this is supposed to be the start of the story, you know, how it came about that they ended up being these nightmare creatures. And this song is a lot lighter than their first two. The title might give that away a little bit. It's called Fly High. And sort of like, you know, Joe was torn by the mashup of Love, Cherry Motion. Especially the first few times I heard this song, it didn't really work that well for me, the mashup that they tried, because it sounded like they took a basic pop rock song, which is pretty good. And then they thought, well, this is Dreamcatcher, right? We have to add in some dark elements. So they just sort of out of nowhere come these, you know, a little short rap break at the end of the verse or an instrumental heavy metal dance break. And it's kind of jarring. It seemed to me the first few times I listened to it that it was kind of a clumsy attempt to stay on brand. But sometimes it's the case with K-pop. When you take into account the whole concept, the music video, I found the lyrics to the song. And if you watch the video, if you read the lyrics, it's not quite as abrupt and out of nowhere as it seems in the song. You know, there are dark elements in the music video. And when the heavy rap parts come in, it doesn't really feel like it's, it's out of nowhere. Plus, you get used to it the more you hear it. <laughs> uh, that's part of it, I'm sure. And now those odd, dark parts of the song are kind of my favorite parts of the song now. I wait for them to come. My probably favorite part is, I think it's the start of the second verse, where there's a rap and there's a vocal at the exact same time. And it's not the kind of recurring one. <laughs> And yeah, that kind of encompasses what they're doing is that the original first two songs are the heavier part and then this slightly lighter but still that kind of edge of darkness there. Yeah, I think it's better not to just let it creep in. I think to bring it all in nice and strong because we knew this is what they did. And I never felt that they were like total metal. Right. There's always the obviousness that it's sort of a childish take on it. So that makes this kind of as a prequel work really well for me. Yeah, I was a little disappointed that it didn't keep such a dramatic sound and went a little bit more poppy. Yeah. But like the whole package i guess with the music video with the fact that the album's called prelude it makes sense for them because they're trying to kind of tone back the darker elements it's also smart because it's a little bit more summery than the other songs yeah that was another thing i'm trying to read into it and i'm thinking well maybe they were trying to be a little more successful and do something a little more accessible i think that was definitely the case especially with the pictures their stage outfits are uniforms but not like black ones they have like rainbow skirts <laughs> right the reason I've struggled with Dreamcatcher a little bit is because they never take it quite as far as like baby metal does, but they're trying to convince us all that they are. So when they step back a bit with this, I was just like, so what are you going to do next? And I don't know if K-pop is really ready for a group that's so dedicated to a specific style like this. You know, groups have their sounds. But if they're going to have to keep on releasing release after release of medley pop music, I don't think it'll ever end up resonating with, definitely not with Korean audiences. Yeah, there might be a reason that there's not a lot of these rock-oriented J-pop groups in Korea. Didn't the last one that tried wear, like, Nazi swastikas? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> I just yeah. No one has really tried it and gone as far as Dreamcatcher. Yeah, like I feel like I, I can see them carving out a niche for themselves during this. That was Pritz. Yeah. Oh yeah. By the way. <laughs> oh, gosh. They were great. They were so J-pop. They were like Momo Iro, Clover Z. And then as their last gasp, they kind of tried a Nazi baby metal <laughs> concept, which... It didn't work. No, I feel... No, I like, I, I'm intrigued about Dreamcatcher, mostly, about if this style is just too much like what's popular in Japan. Like, when this song in particular, Fly High, sounds like an anime theme song to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if there's something to that that Koreans aren't interested in or just that they're from a small agency. But it seems like these aren't cheaply made music videos yeah they're kind of like luna they're building a big story i also just want to say how amazing i think shion is her voice is probably one of my favorites in a long long time and it suits this style of music so so well yeah like if you watch you know the dingo music that channel where they have groups singing live they did one for fly high and she does the fly high at the start where it's kind of attitude on record but she sings it live and it's so good She's a star. She's a star. I think it'd be really cool if she ended up on one of those shows where the female idols show off their vocals. What was the one? Oh, yeah, she'd be good. What was the one last year with all the girl groups? Smells like teen spirit. Yeah, and I feel like, well, that'd be be like a perfect fit. It's a little bit more rock than most (laughs) K-pop. So, yeah, Yeah. I think it'd be cool. I haven't seen them on any variety shows or anything, so I'm really curious if they're getting out there or because they have a big international fan base. And I I think I saw the other day that like a Thai princess wants to hear them perform in Thailand. So now they're going to Thailand. They're really resonating overseas. And it's kind of sad to see that it's not hitting home quite the same way. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. So tomorrow, what else have you got for us this episode? So it seems like this episode we're doing like boy group, girl group, and each of us has one of each, but this time mine's going to be a co-ed one. Nope, it's not card. It's Akra. <laughs> um, I'm sure. I made that joke on Twitter that I love the new co-ed trop song that just came out from <laughs> Akra. Uh, I wish I'd seen that. I would have retweeted it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've like liked on and off Akmu. I think they're super talented. But this song, when I heard it, I was listening to it and my friend said, you need to watch the video with it before you get too far into the song. And the music video itself is just absolutely gorgeous and really cute. But the song itself is, like you said, like it's kind of troppy. It takes the group into a different sound that they haven't really done on their own music, which kind of sounds weird that they did a like they jumped into like ambient EDM, which at first I was like, is this Akmu? But it makes sense. First of all, that's trendy now. But also, I feel like the atmospheric element is more important to them than the actual genre that they're dealing with. And that's always a trend for their music. So although I guess they have some kind of quirky, funky songs, too. But this song is definitely quirky and it's called Dinosaur because it's about getting over your fears as you grow up. And I just think that the dinosaur metaphor works really well. And it seems like the lyrics, I don't know if either of you have read the lyrics of the song, but it seems like Chanyak wrote the lyrics based on his own experience growing up. Yeah. It's about pretty much that he dreamed of a dinosaur and it scared him. So he woke up in his sleep screaming. And the end of the song, when it finally builds that beautiful soaring build at the end, it's the determination of someone who's reached adulthood and ready to like scream back. 
And I just think being a sibling duo in the K-pop industry is probably really difficult. But because they're always drawing on their lives and because Soyeon's voice is just so... I really haven't heard her sing anything that I'm like, oh, she doesn't suit this song. She's so versatile and her voice in this particularly, she goes through some falsetto and I love it. And I don't know, I, I can't really express how much I love this song. <laughs> Dinosaur! you mentioned the lyrics because when i first saw the video without having having any idea what the lyrics were it was very confusing like what is going on no sense (laughs) no no yeah i just think it was a really nice blend of an atmospheric song that suits them but also the synth pop that we've been seeing but it doesn't sound like anything else really in the k-pop industry right now i do Wish that they had kind of incorporated that opening acoustic part a bit more. I expected it to, and it didn't. Yeah, like, the sound was great as well, and I do still really like what it does. I feel like if this came out any time before all of this, it would have been better. It's just, it's getting tired, you know, and it was getting tired a long time ago. And I, I think they do give it their personal touch, which totally works, and as their voices together are great. It's like their best mix of their vocals as well. Definitely. I'm not into YG that much, but I think they made the right decision going with them because it feels like they've got room to do what they want. And for such a young duo who became big on just totally their like ingenuity and songwriting and their personalities, it's great to see that like, they can still do that. This is clearly about the two of them, and that's what makes it work so well in the end, even if it sounds tired. It's funny that you mentioned the like opening acoustic riff because I... I forgot about this, honestly. When I heard that, I was just like, oh, they're going to go into like some synth music and then they'll jump back because that seems so much more their color, like at least their original mm-hmm. color. And so I'm trying to decide if it's them kind of making a statement like we're maturing, we're not going to have the same sound we always did, but here's a little glimpse of it. And you mentioned the video is great as well. Like Stranger Things influenced, directed by Dishin, who has done a lot of great work. She directed Monster X's Stranger Things inspired videos as well. She's obviously a big fan. She's worked with YG a lot, with like 21's Come Back Home, stuff like that. Check her out. Dishin. What's your uh, second pick from July? So I've got my boy group of the month, and it's kind of a good way of looking at boy groups as a whole, because they're sort of in a transitioning period now, but I picked Snooper, the new faves of all the blog people and supposedly smart critics of k-pop and um, they're sort of the heirs to i'm i'm joking i'm joking do you mean i'm on trend now i thought i was special because i like snooper i'm not special no, no. i'm like sitting here like i like them enough but if i don't like them am i not a k-pop intellectual joe <laughs> i'm kidding they're, he's dragging us he's dragging yes, us he is. there's an undercurrent of uh good fans of these guys but this yeah they're sort of the heirs to infinite uh, as being sweet tunes kind of (laughs) boys of choice and we can get into the infinite 
comparisons a little later. Let's I'll get to the song first. So, I just don't think it's accurate. It, it's accurate, but <laughs> but I think I agree. But we'll get there. So this is Snooper and their song "Star of Stars," which for me is their best for sure. Listening to them as they've kind of grown, I've liked some of their songs, not like some other ones, and they've always been compared with Infinite because Sweet Tune is their producer, even though it's the sort of half of what Sweet Tune used to be. And I didn't think they were quite worthy of being called the next Infinite quite yet. None of their songs had that, you know, the chaser epicness and the overall quality. And I think vocally they didn't mesh quite well yet. So it felt like we were just desperate for a new boy group that had quality synth pop, you know, because we've been so used to all these hip hop influence groups that I personally was getting tired of. And this is the best they've done so far, though, because it meshes their vocals much better. They're not as reliant on their member Suhyun. His voice is really good and distinct, but too distinct, and it didn't mesh well in the song. And I think they're a great example of what the smaller or the rookie boy groups are doing now. Because especially this year, I found the bigger groups to be quite disappointing. They've all kind of going for very similar sounds, and there's just nothing inspiring. What I like about K-pop boy groups is that they can do stuff, really solid stuff really well, but when they go out and really try the like, epic stuff, you know, like the EXO we talked about, like that's them at their best, and we haven't seen that in a while. But these smaller groups, like Snooper, like Hot Shots' recent comeback, Top Secret have one of my favorite songs of the year in my control, K&K have amazing voices, their production isn't quite there yet. But it's a really exciting kind of group of young boys, and Snooper in particular have a brightness that is kind of seen as not really cool now, but is like infinitely more fun. like you're saying that it's not something we're seeing now but it's something that like i feel like we're seeing in a lot of the rookie boy groups that are releasing more than just one single at disappearing i just am thinking of astro personally they don't have the exact same sound but if you put this song on an astro album i probably wouldn't be like oh this doesn't belong there astro's last album was phenomenal by the way but i feel like we are seeing like a shift towards brighter rookies again and like infinite's little brother group golden child unless they change up something immensely from their preview performances they're probably going to also be starting out with something like light poppy i'm having trouble believing that there's a group called golden child that's uh yeah you should have seen i feel like i should just like admit it at this point that i'm a big infinite fan pretty much you should have seen like all the infinite stan accounts were just like infinite lovely's golden child and it's not like it's in korean and then translated to english like it's golden child and people are already trying to hyphenate it in a a way that's it's not golden children it's golden child everyone's just writing it now without any vowels attempting to make it look cool so it's just gldn and that's space chld it doesn't look cool steven do you have any opinions about this snooper song yeah, I thought it was a really 
special flower that I liked Snooper. I didn't know that I was just a pretentious blogger. All uh, the special flowers like Snooper. (laughs) But when I first listened to the song, when it came out, I was anticipating it. It started, I thought, yes, this is just what I'm looking for. And then I got most of the way through it, and I'm I'm looking at the counter saying, how much is left in this song? (laughs) And I was trying to figure out why does this song not appeal to me? And I, I don't know if I really figured it out, but one thing that I did notice is the little synth melody at the start, the intro of the song, there's some minor variations, I think, but it plays almost the entire song. It plays during the verse. It plays during the chorus. It's the intro. There's about maybe 10 seconds of the bridge that doesn't have that little melody playing on the same with the same synth sound. I mean, certainly that doesn't make it more exciting. I'm not sure if I can put the whole thing on that. I don't, I don't dislike it. I'm sure Tamar agrees with me. It's not quite Infinite 2.0 that people are think it is as far as i'm concerned um so i agree with steven that i was expecting a little bit more powerful after some of their other singles it's a little bit more mellow than i really expected it's still really good but you keep on mentioning infinite and everyone keeps on mentioning infinite but every time i listen to one of their songs i'm just like this kind of reminds me of boyfriend and boyfriend was also produced by sweet tune and i know i'm gonna get yelled at for saying that but i but boyfriend great yeah and i think it's a little bit less saccharine than Boyfriend, but it's still a little bit more, I don't know, youthful than most of Infinite's songs after the first year. Okay, fair. Maybe it's just my bias. <laughs> <laughs> well, in case you forgot it was summer, let's end up with a song from Red Velvet from their very summery album. And I'm not going to pick the title track, although I think that's pretty interesting, but I'm going to pick the most interesting song on the album, which is Zoo. Yes. Zoo was produced by London Noise. I think they call themselves London Noise, not LDN Noise. Is that right, guys? They call themselves London Noise. Yeah. I did a profile on them and it hasn't been published yet. Yeah. And they told me they were making the sounds in the recording studio. And then they ended up having to digitally put them in, but they had planned on having them like <laughs> oh be their sounds. <laughs> so they have like a bunch of files of them doing like elephant noises and stuff. Oh, that's crazy. Well, that matches up very well with my image of what happened with this song, because I've got kind of a story in my head of how this song was written. London Noise, by the way, has done all kinds of great songs, a lot, a lot of them for SM, but not exclusively for SM. They, mm-hmm. they did Dum Dum and Four Walls and Married to the Music and stuff for XO and Taeyeon and all kinds of great stuff. And I, I'm guessing that this song was considered for the single on this album, but for some reason they didn't choose it. But it's a totally ridiculous song. I kind of feel like the way it was made was, you know, when you're brainstorming and the rule is like, there's no bad ideas. We just put everything on the whiteboard. And I feel like, you know, somebody had this idea, love is like a zoo, right? That's kind of a good idea for a song. And if we're doing K-pop, there's not a lot of rules. You know, we can do some crazy stuff. Let's just put every idea we have in here. Let's just make it totally ridiculous and crazy. And then we can dial it back to make a final product. And I think they, they made the song and they thought, yeah, let's just keep it like that. The horn section is an elephant. It's got chattering monkeys and you know birds it's got solgi doing her tarzan imitation 
which is kind of surprising to me. I didn't know. I didn't think that kids in Korea maybe knew who Tarzan was, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I think there was a popular Japanese anime. Okay, well that explains it. The reference in, in Zyrex as well. Oh, that makes sense. But the highlight of the song is the chorus. Love is looking like a... And what really makes that work, I think, is of course the very artificial, silly, high way they sing it, but also the pause right before Zoo. I think really gives that great impact. Yeah. I think everyone should listen to it, even if they haven't listened to the rest of the EP. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the EP was just okay. I was, I think, coming off the high of Rookie, you know, and how odd that was, I was expecting a bit more, and the rest of it is good, but I agree, Zoo is definitely my favorite. Although it should be called Jungle, because I feel like it references Jungle, and it's more Jungle Sands rather than just Zoo Sands. I mean, that's... Yeah, you're definitely right about that. <laughs> that's irrelevant. But it's not fun to say, Jungle! No. <laughs> <laughs> or love is like yeah. a jungle <laughs> there's so many details and so many different ideas in this one song like my favorite part is the second verse because it sounds nothing like the first and they go to a kind of more tribal drum part some rapping and then Sogi goes bum bum bitty bum bum and then Joy has her like really pitched up high vocals and there's like the air horn thing that goes da 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 and it just like opens up again you know after this like so much fun chorus and then just becomes this another thing and yeah it must have been just be like let's just do this do this and this and this and yet it all just works because each of the sounds sounds like it comes from the jungle or it comes from the zoo it still feels natural even though these elephant noises that they're making and distorting as much as they can are totally odd am i the only one who was like oh this this kind of goes back to happiness is like music video yeah, it does, right? That was, the song itself was, like, a little bit more tribal. Without, like, the Twin Tower stuff and the, you know, World War Two. <laughs> well, I'm, I was thinking of the parrots and the leaves <laughs> right, and right. <laughs> the colors. It didn't sound at all like Happiness, but I kept on thinking, if this had been on Happiness's EP, it might make a little bit more sense than this EP. Yeah. Just because it kind of fit that theme better. I think it really showed how versatile the five are, the five members. Yeah, yeah, they, they like swap around the vocals. That the verse that I love so much, like each of them gets at least two parts in that and it just goes so seamlessly, you know, like especially with Solgi and Wendy book ending parts. They're so both so strong. I was saying that Steven, your choice of putting them as number one of the top ten girl groups of the last decade was controversial, but actually I would have put them in my top ten if I could change it now because I realized that like everything they've done has been either great or interesting and weird and with this ep again you know while it's not my favorite of theirs there's there's nothing bad i can say apart from maybe some of the songs are sort of generic they're still not my top number one girl group (laughs) but give them give them time (laughs) no i mean but i think of the next decade i think they definitely of this generation of k-pop acts i think they definitely stand out Although I, I will say that even though I don't actually like some of their most recent singles, I will like forever love Oh My Girl just because they're so good. That was our take on K-pop in July. You guys can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. would be great if you guys could listen to us there. If you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would also be wonderful. Also, please feel free to check us out on Twitter. We 
can be found at kpop unmuted on twitter and also at cult scene because it's cult scenes kpop unmuted so check us out at both places and please feel free to spread this episode of the podcast or any other episodes on the podcast retweets respond tell us what you like tell us what sort of episodes you want to see what things you want to hear more of from us and thanks for listening